The back of his t-shirt is soaked with sweat, and from time to time a cloud of dust billows behind him as he runs over an anthill or a mud wasp's nest. It's the last hour of his life, but he doesn't know that. He's smiling. The mower chokes and spits and sometimes stalls, and Tal kicks at it with his bare feet. In the shade of the walker's back porch, I'm listening to the Top 40 countdown on the radio, already wearing my bathing suit, waiting for Tal to empty the final bag of clippings into the hole so we can go swimming at the Bradshaw's pool. The Bradshaw's are the last of the rich families in our neighborhood. Their children have all grown up and moved away, and this summer they're letting Tal and me use their pool two or three times a week. They don't mind that we curse and make a lot of noise, or that we come over in just our underwear sometimes. They stay in their large, air-conditioned house, glancing out the windows from time to time to wave. We swim there naked all the time, and they never know. It's strange. Even now, I sometimes picture Tal at the end of the driveway, just after he has let the mowing bag slip into the hole. He's crying, and this time I tell him not to worry about it. Let it slide, I say. Who cares? And sometimes he listens to me, and we start walking down the street to the Bradshaws. But when we reach their house, he's gone and when I turn, I realize he started back toward the hole, and it's too late. In the retelling, the story always changes. Sometimes it's the heat of the driveway on Tal's bare feet that causes him to let the bag slip. Other times it's anxiousness. He's already thinking how the icy water is going to feel on his skin as he cannonballs off the Bradshaw's diving board. But even now, twelve years later, I'm not sure about these things. I'm not sure why the bag becomes so important to him at that moment. It's said that when you're older, you can remember events that occurred years before more vividly than you could even a day or two after you experienced them. It seems true. I can no longer remember the exact moment I started writing this, but I can remember, in precise detail, the expression on Tal's face the moment he lost the mowing bag. It was partially a look of frustration, but mostly fear. Perhaps he was worried that his father would find out and take it out on him or Kyle as he'd done before, or maybe he was scared because Kyle had told him not to screw up and he'd let him down, proven he could not be trusted. In the newspaper article, the hole is only twelve feet deep. They'd had it measured afterward, but in my memory, it's deeper. The bag is at the very bottom, we know that. But even on our bellies, Tal and I cannot make out its shape in the darkness. Warm fumes leak from the hole, making us a little dizzy and our eyes water, a dank odor, the scent of black syrupy grass that has been decomposing for more than a decade. Tal has a flashlight and I am holding the ladder we've carried from his garage. If Tal is nervous or even hesitant, as we slide the ladder into the hole, he doesn't show it. He's not thinking about the lizard creatures from the swamp or anything else that might be down there. Perhaps he imagines there's nothing below but ten summers worth of grass, waiting like a soft bed of hay. We both stare into the hole for a moment. Then Tal mounts the ladder carefully, the flashlight clamped between his teeth, and just before his mop of blonde hair disappears, He glances at me and smiles, 
almost like he knows what is going to happen next. A few seconds later, I hear him say, It smells like shit down here. He says something else and laughs, but I can't hear what it is. The flashlight never goes on. Not after I yell to him. Not after I throw sticks and tiny stones into the hole and tell him to stop fooling around. Not even after I stand in the light of the opening and threaten to take a whiz on him, even pull down my bathing suit to show him I'm serious. Not even then does it go on. Later, in the tenth grade, a few years after my family had moved to Pennsylvania, I received a letter from Kyle Walker. He was living and working in Raleigh since high school. In the letter, he said he wanted to know what had happened that day. He'd always meant to ask me, but could never bring himself to do it. There was no one else who had actually been there, and it would...